Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters and we have a great show for you today. We are chatting with Tanya Lemos, who is the, the head of the Blazing Star School Herbal School. So uh, so welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Of course, of course. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, who you are and, and what you do. Thank you, yeah. Um, I'm a community herbalist and educator based in the hill towns um and i teach classes and see clients so um I, when i was looking at your website um i did see that you had a really sweet class on um on giving herbal facials uh for yourself can you can you tell us a little bit about that class i can um we haven't actually offered that class in a little while um but we some of the classes that we offer, we love to offer classes that can be used um, by people in their everyday life. And giving an at-home facial is such a great way to um, sustain, to use sustainable products and a great way to kind of bring herbalism into your daily life and into your home. And it's a great time now while we're all stuck at home to be able to have these nice things that we can do to pamper ourselves. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the concoctions that you might make for um, an herbal an herbal facial? Absolutely. Um, there's so many herbs that you can use. Um, calendula flowers, lavender flowers, chamomile flowers, any dried flower can really be use for facial you could either grind it up and add it to some um kind of ground oatmeal perhaps and use that as a facial scrub or you can do more of a steam facial um but basically it's the flowers roses i forgot to mention any dried flower could it be fresh or is the dried prefer preferable for a particular reason the dried is preferable because it's easier to um, kind of grind it or um, infuse its properties out into water. I mean, fresh flowers have so many other benefits, um, but when it comes to the facials, we really use them dried. That sounds really, really nice. Which is also so great because you dry the flowers in the summer and then you can use them year-round. Absolutely. Yeah, you just keep rewarding yourself throughout the year, especially in the winter mm-hmm. months and in the spring. And I find that, you know, skin changes so much um, depending on the season, you know, so it's really, really nice to be able to pamper yourself, you know, right right around this time where like the weather is changing so much and so rapidly um, to be able to kind of exfoliate and get into the deeper layers of, of taking care of our skin. Absolutely. Um, so 
So what? Can, so I know the Blazing Star Herbal School was founded in 1984, uh, which is crazy because I was born in 1981. So I think that's really, really neat that this this school uh, has such a history in the Pioneer Valley. Um, mm-hmm. And you took over the reins in the year 2000. Um, Indeed, yeah. What What inspired this the shift um, uh-huh. from 1984 well, to the next segment? Well, Gail Alrich founded the school in 1984 and ran the school until the year 2000. Um, unfortunately, she passed away in 2000 after a kind of brief illness with mm. um, cancer. And it was kind of brief and quick and sudden and unexpected. And we had some community in common and I was kind of a younger herbalist at that time, just setting up in the Valley. And I was lucky um, in that I was offered and asked to, if I would keep the school running. Wow. That time. So um, it was a real blessing in my life. Do, were you intimidated at all by taking over the reins of such an established herbal school? Like what, what was going through your mind at that time? Oh, I was absolutely intimidated. Um, I was young and just kind of coming up as a professional herbalist and um, Blazing Star and Gail Arich herself had such a great reputation in the herbal world, such an established reputation that it was really, the first few years were really kind of challenging on a personal level and on a professional level. Did you, what, I mean, I know this was a long time ago. Did you, you know, we're in 2020 now and this was all in 2000. did you use what types of herbs did you use to support yourself and confidence and growing as you were kind of growing your business and kind of growing just really stepping into some some pretty established shoes? Do you remember what kind of herbal allies that you had at that time? That's such a great question. And I don't think I've really thought back specifically, like to answer this question. But I would say kind of on the spot, I don't think my herbal allies have changed that much in the past 20 years. Um, I think back then um, I was drinking nettle infusion daily or at least, you know, three to four, five times a week. And I still am. And um, oat straw infusion regularly and um, red raspberry infusion. So I think my basic kind of uh, protocol, the deep nourishment, hasn't changed much in this time. Um, I think what has changed, or the herb that I use a lot now, which wasn't that popular back then, um, is Tulsi, um, holy basil, as a um, nervine type herb. And it's, uh, holy basil, Tulsi is so popular now. It is, but back then it was barely mentioned. It's definitely an herb coming to its fullness in this time between. Why do you think that Tulsi has um, has developed so much uh, more recently? Is there? Do you have any kind of ideas about spiritually? Do you think it's more marketing? Mm-hmm. I mean, what? Do you I mean, have any it's definitely marketing, but it's also as more and more people have studied Ayurvedic health, and as um, Ayurvedic health practices have become more popular. It's an herb that was really popular in India um, and kind of has become popular as people have become more familiar with Ayurvedic health. 
Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. Now, um, I'd love to kind of circle back. Um, and you were talking about your sort of daily infusions that you've been using for over 20 years um, of the red raspberry leaf, um, the oat straw, and the nettles. Can yep. Can you tell us a little bit about... Um, what the deep nourishment is that you were talking about and and how that might help somebody who is trying to grow and develop and and you know fill up you know fill their life purpose in this world mm-hmm, absolutely um well close to 30 years ago i studied with susan weed out in uh, the catskills oh yep and part of i mean i think the biggest lesson i learned there was about nourishment, how important deeply nourishing ourselves is. And using herbal infusions, and I don't mean like a simple herb tea, I mean a lot of dried herb infused for up to eight hours in water and then strained so that all the vitamins and minerals are really transferred from the herb into the water and drinking that on a regular basis is nourishment at its core and it builds one's vital energy and minerals. Um, And taking that over time, drinking these infusions over time, I find to be the number one um, benefit to one's health, the greatest benefit, the simplest action with the greatest benefit. So, so the infusions are, um, are a lot of bulk tea. So it's more than just a cup of tea that Mm -hmm. you might get from the store and then they're infused for eight hours or overnight. So the general ratio is an ounce of dried herb to a quart of boiling water steeped up to eight hours or eat most easily overnight strained and then drunk throughout the day. Wow, that so that just becomes a habit. That just becomes part of your routine. Exactly. Um, and so, if you're just tuning in, um, you're listening to Valley Free Radio, and you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're chatting here with Tanya Lemos of the Blazing Star Herbal School, um, right up in the Hill Towns. And um, so, Tanya, how did how did you get into herbalism? How did how did you really get into this work? I know you mentioned that you were studying with, with Susan Weed up in, um, in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. There's actually a little funny story that goes with how I got into this work um, that I've shared with some of my students before. Um, but when I was right out of high school, um, my goal back then was to go to India and study yoga. And that's all I wanted to do. I wasn't interested in college. I just wanted to travel and learn on the road. Um, But my family had different ideas for me and were pretty adamant that college was part of my next step (laughs) or was my next step. Mm -hmm. And so I got the, I I grew up in England and I got the university handbook and I literally went down the back of the handbook and found the shortest program, which was a two-year program in natural therapy. Oh, So I signed up for that program. Um, Little did I know that it was going to be a lifelong study. (laughs) Wow. And just the beginning. So that's really how I got into kind of natural medicine and the healing arts. 
And so, so what was it about those natural therapies that, what were you studying um, at, at university when you were like 18, 19, 20? Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember any of that original coursework that really jumped out at you? I do. Um, well, it was, it was at a school that's now defunct, um, but it was Raywood College of Natural Medicine. And we semester to another healing art like we became certified in massage therapy and aromatherapy and reflexology and um flower essences and nutrition and herbalism and polarity therapy um because the philosophy in england which back then i don't know if it's changed because i haven't kind of kept up um but the philosophy back then was that it benefits the healer or a healer to be trained in many modalities so that when you see a client, you're not limited by the one modality that you're trained in. You can kind of see what works best with the particular um, client in front of you. Yeah. So in hindsight, it was a glorified introduction to a lot of natural therapies a lot of different healing arts. Wow. And you just happen to be able to appease your parents' wish and your own at the same time. Exactly. So where, where did you jump off from um, after you got that, um, that short degree, that two-year degree? Um, mm-hmm. Where did you jump from there? From there, I got... Um, well, actually, it kind of... My order is a little mixed up because the summer before that program... Um, I came to the U.S. to work as a tennis coach at a summer camp in Beckett, Mass. No kidding. Uh, before going back to complete my program. And whilst I was over here, I met some people um, who introduced me to Susan Weed and kind of the herbal world over here. So when I completed that program, I ended up coming back here to coach some more tennis. And, you know, one thing led to another and I ended up settling here. Oh, I love that. I love that. I want to know a little bit more about um, the Blazing Star Herbal School. You guys have quite a bit that you offer. Um, I know that you guys have uh, kind of day-long workshops. Um, You have a lot of guest teachers that come in apprenticeships that last one and two years. Um, You have a lot of like DIY e-courses. Across all these platforms, do you have a favorite method of of sharing herbalism? Um, The core, the foundation of um, Blazing Star Herbal School are the apprentice programs. And they're really my favorite. That's when students come, usually groups of 12 to 16, um, and they're with me for 10 to 12 months, meaning once a week. Um, And it's really getting to know people, working with them throughout the year. That's definitely my favorite part of this. So you're working with people for a full, a full solar cycle. So even Mm -hmm. when even when the plants are not growing above the earth um you you're still teaching herbalism um what Mm -hmm. what do you start in the spring which is when things usually we would have already started but we're kind of like everyone else on hold yeah um right now because of the um coronavirus 
Um, but usually we start in March and early April, and we meet weekly through the end of February. What what do you what do you t- like to teach in the in the winter months? Like what is what are the winter months all about for herbalism? Um, well, we do a lot of catch up in the winter. Like the summer is so busy because we kind of start slowly in the spring, and next thing you know, June and July, like everything's bursting. We're harvesting, we're medicine making, and a lot of the theory and the kind of book book work we don't have time for a lot of the book work and theory and the deep explanations so really once we move inside you know depending on the year but sometimes in late October November we're really catching up on everything that didn't get fully explained during the busyness of the summer absolutely and so the the springtime and the normal course of things even though things have kind of been put on hold for the moment so springtime um, how do you how do you like to work work these new apprentices in uh, with the spring well usually right at the beginning we're planting seeds we're preparing I mean it's very very hands-on we're talking about the seed and the growth and as the plants grow we tend them then we harvest them we make the medicine. Um, and we're really, the apprenticeship is really close to the cycle, nature cycle. We do a lot of wild crafting and hikes, um, outside. And I can imagine that, you know, as things are growing and blooming and especially over the course of a year, people would, I, I mean, this is just in my imagination. I, I feel like, you know, if somebody was experiencing, if there's a woman who is experiencing menstrual cramps, it'd be like, oh, well, this is growing right here. We can plant this if you know. It's almost like over the course of a full year, I would imagine that you'd be able to make the medicine for yourself and for your family um, and and working it, you know, as it's as it's growing and being available. Absolutely. That's very much kind of the plan. And one of the students' favorite aspects of the program is that throughout the growing season and the medicine-making season, um, we take turns, take turns making the medicine. So let's say um, in the spring, we have our violet harvest or our um, Telsey harvest or lemon balm. Each individual student has an opportunity to take the harvest home and make the medicine often in the form of a tincture and then tend to it. And then in October, sometimes early November is our medicine share day mm. when every student brings their medicine, which they've made back and we split it up and everyone gets to go home with a medicine share. So basically everyone leaves here with, you know, 15 to 18 different herbal tinctures. So it it feels like Christmas, you know, everyone, it tends to be one of the happiest days of the apprenticeship because everyone's so exciting to actually see excited to see everything that they made throughout the year. Absolutely. It's like, there's your medicine cabinet. Exactly. You'd everyone with the boxes, which someone in the group made. Yeah. Do you find that, um, do you find that different people, make different make medicine differently do you feel like people infuse their own kind of essence along with the plants or do you feel like the plants are the medicine um i think it's a combination of both i think there's certainly the chemical constituents in the plants 
that offer a specific medicine. But energetically, I think each student or everyone that makes a plant uh, remedy is definitely infusing some of their own medicine into it. Because there, there's a, um, there's a, a, an herbalist that I just adore, and her medicine, her herbs just taste so different than anyone else. And I always feel like her medicine are so powerful. I'm, I'm sure it probably is. It just works the best for me in whatever way. But, um, but I was always curious about that. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like there's, she just puts some kind of magic or something in there that is just divine. Mm-hmm. Do you know the work of Dr. Uh, Masaru Emoto, his, the water work? I am familiar, but um, share with our guests. Um, tell tell us more about um, about his work. Well, in a real nutshell, I mean, what um, he's saying is the water is living and breathing, and responds to our emotion. And you know, for excess gratitude, the water infuses itself with gratitude, and then when we drink that, that gratitude is, you know, comes into us, mm. um, and that's really simplified version off the top of my head. You know, I wholly recommend that everyone becomes familiar with his work. It's really deep and mind blowing. Yeah. The, um, um, the book is, or one of the books is uh, the hidden messages of, of water. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's some great YouTubes as well for people who prefer to watch or oh, it's easier. Um, but I feel like medicine is the same way when you make medicine. I mean, water is one of the elements that, are in the medicine making process. So if an herbalist infuses um, the process, the medicine making with love and gratitude for the plants and gratitude for the healing potential of the plant, that particular remedy is so much more potent than an herbalist who is doing 25 other things whilst making medicine. Right. Right, exactly. So it's it's very oh. much the intention that you put into that. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I love that. Apprenticeships are really near and dear to your heart because you get to work for the full solar cycle with your students for a full year. Um, but you also bring a lot of um, a lot of teachers in. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of um, of bringing on, uh, you know, more more folks and more uh, other teachers into the school? Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, it's been a few years since we've had a lot of guest teachers. Um, and I love collaboration. I love any opportunity to work with others and share experiences and um, teach together. But from a business perspective, it's really hard to make it all work for everyone. Um, so there's been less and less um, of guest teachers. Uh, because of, I mean, honestly, from a financial point of view, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you know, that's not to say that I wouldn't love to have all the guest teachers we've had in the past. We've had Rosemary Gladstar. We've had Rosita Arvigo, um, Amanda McQuaid Crawford from California, Isla Burgess from, um, New, New Zealand, um, Rosita Avigo from Belize. Wow. Um, we've had herbalists, Mindy Green from Colorado, Gabriel Moje from England. We've had herbalists from all over the world. At this point, it just doesn't you know, work out. It's just a little more streamlined at the moment. Yes. Absolutely. Um, 
but I would love to at some point be able to offer um, some workshops for the community again with guest teachers. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, you know, with everybody in the healing arts, I think that there's an evolution to every business. And I think that there's, you know, there's always like, oh, how can we make this work and it be financially profitable? Because a lot of times Mm -hmm. people, you know, when we host classes and things like that, you know, I think people don't often understand the amount of work that goes into it behind the scenes and when you start splitting things to accommodate mm-hmm. for people's times it, it does get very um you know if you start looking at it like oh this this would not be an hourly wage <laughs> this would yeah. you know when you start really breaking down costs like that um so mm-hmm. yeah you know I, I think that we have to adapt and, and grow uh to for our businesses and what feels right for us so and also our lifestyle um Everything's been a little more streamlined. I'm a single mom. I have a 16-year-old now. Oh, wow. So the past 16 years, you know, I've also been balancing being a mom. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in a few years as, you know, Zoe gets older and moves on. Is your is your kiddo uh, an, an herbalist in, in training? Is she is she your your uh, your apprentice or does she how does she respond uh, to a lot of the work? She uses herbs for her health because that's all she's known, but she's not particularly interested in herbs or the outdoors or um, a natural lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) She's very much a musician and that's what she eats and breathes and dreams. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. You never know know. who's going to come out of your body. That's great. But you know what, like all the stuff that she probably learns, it'll it'll sink in later. And who knows, Mm -hmm. who knows how it'll evolve for her. Yeah, can't force it. No, you can't. I tried. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I know that you have um, some some plants, like you said, that were your your herbal allies, um, and that you had worked with Susan Weed. Um, can you tell us about about your your favorite teacher that you've had over the years? Or I'm sure you've had a lot of amazing teachers over the years, but um, but I'd I'd love to know about um, some of your favorite teachers. Yeah. Um, well, you ought to mention Susan Weed. That was a great start. And then I have um, heard that Susan Weed is a very tough cookie. She's a tough cookie, um, and so and she was what I needed in my early twenties. Um, you need like some some structure, some like yeah, just like I mean, she really formed the way I think. She's not for everyone, um, but I personally had a great experience back then. While I was at Susan Weeds, she had a guest teacher come in, who has been a close friend and mentor ever since. Amanda McQuaid Crawford, who is out in California, an herbalist in the LA area. And she is probably the herbalist who, if she's, you know, on the same coast as I am teaching a class, I will make my way to her classes. Um, Also, another herbalist I met also at Susan Weeds during my apprenticeship is Isla Burgess from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And she is another one of my kind of all-time favorite herbal teachers and people on the planet. So I recommend both of those herbalists. Um, they're not often in this area, but should you find yourself at a conference or 
you know, somewhere where they're presenting highly recommended. So what makes the those relationships um, so special or their their teaching styles um, so um, uh, so outstanding for you? You know, I think we're all different. And for me, um, both of those teachers, though they're very different, um, we just connected as people at a time in my life when I really needed that kind of mentorship. Um, Amanda walks that fine line between clinical herbalist, but not too clinical and has a really, you know, is able to get in the dirt as well. And just is a really good presenter and a kind person. Hmm. And I think all that for me, you know, is just, she's very, she's a great presenter, really clear speaker. Um, yeah. And knows her stuff, of course. Absolutely. And Isla is a, and they're both, both Amanda and Isla and Susan, I would say, are thinkers outside the box. And for me as a person, that's really important to do. Our novel thinkers are able to take different ideas and bring them together and present a new idea. They're not just repeating information that's out there. Right, right. And so do you feel like they're taking these kind of concepts as theory and kind of mashing them and growing them? Or is it more in the the plant concoctions and the sort of like medica aspects of it, materia medica aspects? Or um, where where do those kind of new new ideas and those new growths evolve um, I think in the theory and the way we connect with plants and the way um, we connect as people um, and how we kind of as humanity can evolve based on watching nature and the cycles of nature. And both of them are avid ecologists as well and environmentalists. And I think for me, you cannot be an herbalist without being first and foremost an environmentalist because, you know, the water, the earth, the air, we need clean water, earth, air in order to grow healthy plants and food. Um, and so I think for me personally, I need to see people's commitment to the environment in order to really be able to follow their teachings. That makes sense. So I want to throw that question back to you. What is that kind of idea of how, how can we learn from, from nature around us right now with um, sort of, you know, I know everybody is like, don't want to fan the flames of the coronavirus and everything, but like, you know, how can, how can we learn from uh, the, the world around us uh, and be be a good environmentalist and a good good herbalist in the in the background as we as we watch and learn. Well, I think right now the message is really to stay home, right? Yes, to slow down, <laughs> to slow down. You know, to take long walks. You know, whilst physical distancing from other people, um, but we don't have to physical distance from the plants or the trees. Um, I think really just slowing down and noticing and listening is really important right now. 
not to try to um, people over push through things to just um, let go a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that seems like that's the message that is coming through loud, loud and clear for a lot mm-hmm. of people right now. Yeah, I mean, almost, it's almost like the earth is, you know, doing what she needs to take care of herself. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone stay home, you know, while I regenerate the waters and the air a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of the, the air in in Wuhan, where this all started, where everything is almost under control, since you know everybody has been staying at home, the the air is so much better now in Wuhan yep. in China. And I heard the waters in Venice so much cleaner as well. Wow. Um, you know, one of the thoughts I've been having, um, yeah, you know, throughout the past two weeks at home, um, have really been. Well, it's almost like a wish, my desire. I hope that when we are able to return to normal, whatever that means, that people step out having thought about, having reassessed their lives, their actions, and the speed. I think this is such a gift in some ways to be able to think about things, think about our footprint on the planet. And I really hope that it's not business as usual without thought once it's over. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be business as usual because a lot of businesses are being very deeply affected by this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's, you know, downtown Northampton is – it's pretty quiet, except for people, <laughs> you know, looking at the storefronts, the empty storefronts. But you know, things are things are very, very quiet on on the yeah. business front. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny because it's like, you know, a lot of the fear comes from the economics and the money, but then there's also, and of course, the the illness factor. But then there's also, which is mm-hmm. very scary. But then there's the the other side of the environmental stuff that's like, wow, this is actually giving people a time to like decompress, to tune into their bodies, to mm-hmm. let the earth heal. So it's, you know, it it really it has its plus, pluses and minuses right now. I'm, I'm it's definitely both and and I certainly don't mean to minimize the anxiety and the severity of the virus itself and also the economic impact. Um, you know, certainly but I think a lot of the economic in, impact is is the social structures that we've built, right? It's like the extension exactly. of, of our minds. You Which know, is, you know, when I talk about a chance to reevaluate, yeah, yeah, importance of things, yeah, and I think that you know, being forced to um, experience the slowdown, like you know, I remember when, um, you know, my brothers and I were talking a lot about like, how could we get our parents to stay home because they were sort of not listening to the early warnings. And um, my mom, who is in her 70s, still works at um, her, like the, one of the local hospitals in Worcester. And, you know, we were like, mom, you know, it's really important for you not to be working right now. Like, we really want you to put in your retirement and all of this. And Basically, one day, uh, her boss rounded up a lot of the people in her department, over anyone over 65, and sent them home. 
So it was, it was for, she wouldn't, she couldn't make that decision on her own without it being forced. And it would be hard. Yeah. And it's, you know, it actually gave her a chance to, to unhook. And now she's, she's sewing up face masks like a mad woman. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's still great. She's getting a chance to, uh, to be quilting as much as she wants and, you know, taking a break to reevaluate and to reassess and to actually decompress, to, to physically yeah. feel the effects of what it means to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us need to decompress. Yep. It takes a little while. <sighs> yep. Uh, what kind of herbs would you recommend for people um, that they could maybe get at uh, the grocery store or that are maybe just starting to spring up right now that would be really good for helping support the the decompression? Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned long walks, which is definitely really good for that. Yeah. Um I love that you mentioned kind of the grocery store um, because, you know, that's one of the areas that people are needing to once a week, once every 10 days head to. Um, And I'm definitely supportive of not making extra stops um, and, you know, being out and about as little as in, in, you know, public places as little as possible. Um, I noticed last Monday when I was at stop and shop, that they had dandelion greens, um, you know, so that comes back to that nourishment, mushrooms, great nourishing foods. Um, they have some like baby basil plants, mm. anything that's fresh okay, is great. You know, they have, you know, I usually wouldn't recommend a packet of fresh thyme. You know, I'd usually say, you know, wait till it, Rose, but at this time, even the little plastic container of you know a couple of sprigs of baby thyme, make some thyme tea, really good for the lungs. Oh, that you know that's all the you know the sage that comes you know that little plastic container, which is usually really upsetting to me. I feel like now's the time to buy those herbs up and not to let them go to waste. Sage, thyme, really good for tea steams so what kind of what kind of good thyme tea would you put like some ginger lemon honey in there and absolutely exactly and my all-time favorite recipe for these times is when people go on a walk to collect pine needles okay collect pine needles bring it home infuse them in hot water make a tea with lemon and ginger and a little honey it's really good full of vitamin C, great support for the chest and the lungs. And, you know, also helps you connect with nature a little bit. And so um, just the pine that has fallen or would you kind of pull it from the tree? As long as it's still green. Okay. There's a lot of fallen pine needles on the ground right now. And is there like a handful of them in a, in a jar of like a mason jar or something? Or how much, what kind of quantity would, would we be talking? A good amount, you know. A good amount. Uh, I love that that's such a traditional herbalist response. A good amount. I know, herbalists are the least <laughs> precise people, right? A handful, a good amount. But you know, you don't want to shove it in the jar You're not packing much. it, yeah. You're not packing it. But you want it pretty, you know. I mean, I wouldn't actually put it in a jar. I'd put it right in a pot. Okay. Um, to bring it to boil and then let it simmer for about 20 minutes. Okay. And then add your lemon and ginger as well. It tastes really good. 
and is just a great way of connecting um, and staying healthy at the same time. Mm, I love that. And so that you said is, is really good for um, for the lungs as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So we're talking about time from the grocery store, um, any of the any other time and sage from the grocery store, um, and fallen fresh uh, pine needles will be really really good for all the Absolutely. all the lungs. All right, you guys, you guys heard it here first. So yeah. if you want some, send your um, kids out to the woods to get the pine. I love it. <laughs> 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 Fabulous. So like every good plant that has challenges in nature, um, plants adapt. And so are we as as um, entrepreneurs. Uh, so what are how what are you guys doing uh, with the sort of pause this kind of forced shutdown right now? Um, what are you, how are you guys um, adapting? How are we adapting? Um, like everyone else, we're home and um, hopeful that this won't be the end of our businesses. Of course. Yep. Um, and just, you know, thinking about remote learning, although that's absolutely not ideal for herbalism. Of course. It's really about connecting and being with plants and learning that relation. It's all about relationships between people and plants. And I don't believe that the ideal way to do that is through a computer um, but we'll see. Um, I'm hopeful that in a you know, month, a couple of months, we'll be able to start our programs up. Um, but you guys, you guys do have, um, some, some DIY e-courses that you have. We do some very short, some small programs. Yes. Um, and while, you know, they're, they're on an ongoing kind of basis, um, but to be honest, I'm not particularly, I'm not promote. I mean, I'm really pausing right now and not promoting anything. Yeah. Um, if people sign up, people sign up, but I, you know, I don't think it's the right time to be pushing yeah. classes and business, you know? So, yes, you know, so there are some basic, uh, DIY online classes that are shorter and sweeter than the apprenticeship. Um, but you know, that's a smaller part of the business. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, people who are sort of, um, still curious and, and want to, to explore a little bit, even, even if it is digitally, um, which isn't ideal for herbalism, like you said, but, um, can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of the courses that you do have, um, online for people to, to check out and get curious about? Of course. Yeah. Um, so I should start by saying that our website is, um, www blazingstarherbalschool.typepad.com. And we have a really active um, Facebook, Blazing Star Herbal School Facebook page. And they're the two best places for people to get information. But in terms of some of our DIY courses, my favorite one is called I probably shouldn't say it's my favorite one, but well, I love, we all have our favorite parts of our. <laughs> I love create. It's creative and tasty medicine making. Creative and, and tasty medicine making. So it's really all about teaching people how to make medicine um, in the kitchen. You know how to anyone could kind of make their own medicine using a lot of remedies that one already has in their kitchen. 
and kind of learning some new remedies, working with honey and vinegar um, and oils and powders. Um, so that's kind of my favorite one because I think people get most excited about that. Yeah. And then I also have a seasonal, a winter, spring, and summer short four-week um, online courses that can be taken at any time, started at any time. Um, that really helps people connect with the season. Um, and they get readings and assignments and medicine-making projects. And it's all by PDF. So there, there is one. So if I wanted to... Uh, explore the spring one, this would be a good time to, um, to, cause we're, we're just starting spring. I mean, I know there's Absolutely. a little bit of snow still on I the ground from our storm. <laughs> yeah. I definitely encourage people take them, you know, at the right season. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's kind of the, the idea with herbalism, right? Is that you get to go outside, you get your hands in the dirt, you start looking around for what's, what's local, what's growing near you. And it's, you know, it's all these little hidden surprises that are right in your backyard or in your growing in your neighbor's yard, or, you know, it's all, it's all right Absolutely. around the corner. A way to connect with your immediate environment. That's what we need right now. You know, that's mm -hmm. what we, we have to do with our immediate environment. <laughs> yeah. So I know you kind of mentioned your your website, um, which is uh, blazingstarherbalschool.typepad.com. Um, what other what other ways can can people find you and, and uh, explore and get curious about your work? Um, well, the website um, or the Facebook page is probably the easiest for people. These days, most people initially reach out through Facebook, but also in Instagram. Um, or you could email me directly at blazingstarclinic at gmail.com. Um, because you, you see, um, you work with clients directly, right? And as a clinical herbalist, so you um, mm -hmm. people would come or chat with you and you'd prepare some kind of herbal medicine directly for them. Yep. That's great. That's a huge part of, of health and healing. So if that's something mm -hmm. that, um, that people are, are um, curious about, they can, um, they can chat with you directly too. Absolutely. Okay. And your Instagram and your Facebook are all Blazing Star Herbal School? Yep. All right. That's great. Um, I mean, I should probably say that um, mention the confusion around websites that Blazing Star Herbal School org is not me. That's a fake one. Don't go That's to that a one. Fake one. Don't go there. I've been trying for years to have it taken down, and you know it's a pain. But Blazing Star Herbal School dot typepad dot com dot com. Yeah. Yep, you want to go through the typepad blog. Fabulous, um, and you guys and have a ton of information on there. Easy these days. Yeah. So, um, so Tanya, we're coming to the, the end of our show. Um, do you have any last words of wisdom that you'd like to throw out into the universe? Um, not more than, you know, wishing everyone stays healthy and stays hydrated and gets long walks outside and decompresses during this time. Yeah. Really just wishing health on everyone. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, I appreciate um, you coming on the show and, and sharing some of your wisdom. Um, and any any last recipes that you want to uh, throw out there for us that would be good for, um, I know you kind of mentioned the, um, the collecting fresh pine needles, um, sage and thyme from the grocery store. Um, any other kind of quick, quick and tasty uh, kitchen creative meals? that we could we could have at home that would kind of support um, us during this time well I'll tell you a quick one just because I was out on my walk right before we spoke and I noticed all the coltsfoot flowers popping up I don't know and what those flowers are a little yellow flower that looks like a little dandelion but there's no leaf associated with it right now okay but collecting those coltsfoot flowers and infusing them in honey is a great remedy for the lungs. Oh, can you can you spell that so that maybe we could do a little Google search and see what mm-hmm. those flowers look Col- like? So if we come across them, C O L T S F O O T. Colt's foot. Colt's okay. foot. All right. Tuscalago is the Latin or the botanical name. Okay. Is there anything that we might confuse it with that would be not good to eat? <laughs> Or At this it- time of year, no. Okay. <laughs> it's the only little yellow flower that's popping up. Okay. Cold foot. You just, just want the flower in the honey, infuse it, and that's a great cough remedy, that honey. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on the show. And if you, if anyone out there listening is curious about um, exploring Tanya's work, you can go to blazingstarherbalschool.typepad.com and um, and check out for yourself. See if there's anything um, that might they might be curious about. So. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and also, uh, this episode and all my archived episodes are always on reikinorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives. Um, and my podcast uh, will be up as well very soon. Uh, so it'll be a little easier to access um, with all your regular podcasts. So um, thank you so much, Tanya. And, um, and I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person at some point soon. <laughs> Thanks again. Yeah, take care. All right. Be well.